Oh welcome God. to Times Up Outdoors podcast episode. I don't know what one we're on. Uh, we're like thirteen or yeah, 14 something like or that. Sixteen or sounds like um, a good title. I don't yeah, know. It sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, we're at the Outdoor Rama, Michigan's largest outdoor show, and uh, sitting in the bar here at the uh, hotel lobby, and we got some pretty cool people here. We're just gonna sit around and have a little BS session about saddle hunting and. Uh, Life in general. Life in general. And deer hunting with John Eberhardt. He's here, but he's actually just here for, for likes and follows. And the coffee. <laughs> and uh, go? Uh, let's go around the table yeah, and introduce right, right, everybody. Right, so right. we got... So uh, this is Ernie Power from Tethered. I'm Zach from Gaylord. <laughs> Gaylord. <laughs> Adam Miller from the Bowhunter Chronicles. Chad Gothy from Tethered. Uh, John Shido from... <laughs> Johnny Bernard from my mother. <laughs> yes, you mother. <laughs> and then John, Nico's not here. He's at work because he sucks and he couldn't take the time off, apparently. This is true. Yeah. So anyways, so how's the show going for Tethered? Uh, good, good. I mean, uh, the booth stays pretty busy. We had the new Phantom here today, so we're... We're getting some of those in people's hands, and you know it's always fun to meet new saddle hunters and see the see the light in their eyes the minute they sit down. Like, oh, this isn't supposed to be this comfortable. This thing is awesome, and and so it's always fun to see that. And then we've got you know some of the return faces that we've seen in years past and other adventures showing up. So it's yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, how how many years have you come to this show particularly? This will be my second year. Second year, year? Yeah. Same, same with us. Yeah. So and. Let's talk about Tethered for a minute, since we've never had you on. Um, how long has Tethered been in exis- existence? Uh, so officially, we opened our store uh, Memorial Day weekend 2018. Okay. So. And so we're just shy of two years. Two years. And uh, thank you. Just give us a little backstory on Tethered. Uh, so Tethered really was born out of a group of DIY guys who. Uh, for whatever selfish reasons thought we could do it better and if we can sell 50 or 100 pieces we can get our stuff for free um, so we we literally were like hey if we did this we did this we really like it this way and hopefully somebody else does at least 50 people because we'll have enough money to uh, get our own equipment at that point um, you, you can interrupt yourself yeah, if you yeah, want yeah. to order the drink yeah, yeah no that's yeah. Right. important things just so we know, we're at a bar yeah. here. And yes. <laughs> Ernie, Ernie's ordering a double. <laughs> if you're listening and you can't see, we're at a bar. It's a long show. <laughs> so, yeah, no, and uh, so at that point, uh, kind of the long story is uh, a group of guys had gotten together to work on building a platform, and I was part of that group. And Greg Godfrey, my business partner, had been working on a saddle on his own. And we got on the phone one day and said, hey, let's kind of join forces and we'll try and build the best saddle hunting store that's ever been created. And uh, so far it's been going really well. It's, it's something that we take a lot of feedback and a lot of suggestions from the saddle hunting community and try and incorporate it into products that everybody can use. And, and Tethered seems to me to be the hottest one in the industry right now. There's other companies out there, but I don't even know who they are. Well, I mean, we have uh, we have Greg Godfrey, and you know, 
I like to nicely call him the mouth of the South because he gets out and talks, right? And he does a really good job of marketing for us. He does a really good job of making sure everybody knows that we exist. Yeah. Um, we have some great people that we work with, uh, some different media influencers. You know, you'll see us on certain YouTube channels and some of these places. And uh, I think the, the real testament, though, is the word of mouth. Um, as much as we can put advertising out on our own, there's nothing compared to the guy who uses it and tells his buddy. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, I think, where the most of it comes from. Well, John, you were just saying a minute ago that you've been in the industry a long time. I've been in the industry since 1975. I was a buyer up at Jay's Sporting Goods, uh, which at the time was the biggest sporting goods store in Michigan. And I've written several books, and the first book I wrote was in uh, 2003. And on all three books I've written, I've got chapters in them about saddle hunting, and I started hunting out of a saddle in 1981. So I've been saddle hunting for 39 seasons, and uh, to give you a little bit of stats, I've got 50 bucks in the record book, and 44, to you, 44 of them were shot out of a saddle. We so. like hearing those stats. Yeah, I, do, I like saying those stats. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you like those stats. I get jealous of those stats. <laughs> and, and I'm actually, I've been going to this show for quite a few years and the one in Lansing as well and uh, doing seminars. That's what I'm kind of here for and supporting Tethered because as much as I've tried to promote saddle hunting over the years, which I've always tried to promote it because it's hands down the best way to bow hunt or even gun hunt for whitetails, blows tree stands away, in my opinion. Um, Greg and Ernie have definitely blown this whole saddle thing out of the water sure. with their social media presence and their desire to get these things made in the simplest form to make it the most user-friendly saddle out there, which sure. they have definitely done. Right. Feel free to jump in on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want. No. Just, just have I, a conversation. I got a question. I don't know if this is going to be a little bit... Uh, uh, it, animosity but who was the so you started your company two years ago right yep and you've been hunting out of it since what 80 1981 81 so who was your first saddle company how did you the first you beat one, the, you beat the curve you beat the whole you beat everybody to it uh, yeah the first <laughs> one that was ever on the market was called the anderson tree sling okay and when i bought one and i bought it at jay's sporting goods uh, it was just basically it looked like a bunch of seat belts gone wrong bunch of seat belt <laughs> fabric in a poly bag and nobody knew what it was. So nobody in the it was just store. A rescue harness that, yeah. that somebody decided to hang up against a tree. Looked like a bunch of straps in a bag. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I looked at the picture and it had showed this guy, you know, like a consumer's power guy on a telephone pole. He was actually sitting in a little hammock-like seat, and the lead strap going up and was hooked to the pole. And I thought, you know, it showed him kind of moving around the tree stick figures obviously this was drawings <laughs> but it showed him shooting 360 degrees and he could prep a lot of trees and on them all with the same saddle and or at the time it was called a tree sling so i bought one and it took me a couple of years to figure it out but when i first started using it it felt awkward because it was awkward it's nothing like you know the saddles that tethered sure. is making now but it was extremely awkward but i could see the advantages of it and to me, always wanting to improve my game, I knew if I could modify this to fit my personal needs, I'd kill more deer out of it. Oh, and yeah. that's exactly what happened. I modified it. I've made modifications to it. And, uh, and you know, that's kind of where I started. That's, that's pretty odd. I mean, the, the fact that you essentially, <laughs> you were the... <laughs> 
you're gonna be pissed. The dinosaur of the of no, the that doesn't piss me. That does not piss me off at all. I'm I'm happy to I be mean, that dinosaur. I, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't even yeah. I didn't even think about hunting the satellite. In our in our job, we you know we use rescue harnesses doing search uh, you know high angle stuff. We go through training wearing the stuff. Any kind of climbing cert you get, you're gonna be sitting in one of these essentially a rescue harness and it never sure. even crossed my mind until no i act, until two years ago when i saw him like yeah. what the hell is he yeah. doing on that stick <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i gotta go buy one of these I, I actually uh teach rope rescue classes and we drive all over the country teaching classes and i'm in those like you know class one saddle or uh, saddles essentially but it harnesses all day long i never even literally thought you could hunt out of this sure. and i see you guys at, and i had heard about saddle hunting, but I wasn't really in the know of it until I saw you guys last year at Outdoorama. That's yeah, what well, really got us. We met basically because yep. we shared a booth space right yeah, across the much, aisle. Yeah, pretty much right across the aisle. So I, so I had known a little bit about saddle hunting going into that. My buddy at work was talking about it. Tethered was the one that I knew about, and so when I we got to our booth and they're across, I, we had no idea. We didn't even know we had a booth until, like, the night before the booth was open. This is true. He calls me. He's like, you got a booth at uh, Outdoor Ram? I'm like, what are we going to do? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> so we put, we show up, and he's got his booth. I'm like, that's a tethered guy. That's a that's a saddle thing that uh, Brandon Carter was talking to me about. I'm like, that's crazy. He's right across the way. And then I knew who you were. I'm like, that's really weird. Right, we're right yeah, across we- with these guys. It was cool. <laughs> it ended up being we had a you know former then, good relationship. But then we were, we did we were kind of like too shy to even even like talk to you guys about it. And we're like, <laughs> all right, and then we're sitting here, the three yeah. of us were like, oh, we're doing big things. I'm gonna and go then, talk to him. I'm, like, I'm gonna go talk to they're him. We're sitting right there, and we're like, well, I, I let, shit, let's see if they want a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny because now we know you, and we're like, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you bailed me out of a tight jam even this fall because. Oh, Shame. I had to go shower at your mom's house oh, after yeah, the public land challenge that. this year. I completely forgot about that. I didn't even remember that. <laughs> so, the plot thickens. Craig and I got done with the public land challenge, and um, we we drove into town. We're, we're all filthy. We're like, all we need is a shower so you that we can get You were going on a musky trip or something, weren't you? Yeah, maybe it was the musky trip. It was before, It was yeah. after the musky trip because we were all slimy from the fish, mm-hmm. and we had to catch a plane that day, and we wanted to clean up before we could get on the plane. Yeah. That's what it was. You're like, where can I take a shower? Oh I was at God. work. Yeah, so, so. I, I called him Scott, and he's like, hey, you can go to my mom's house. So yeah, because like, <laughs> yeah. Amanda was at work, and I was like, you go to my house, my brother's going to let you in, you go to my mom's She's there. So my mom's like, yeah, they were really nice. <laughs> so you went they over were there. really nice boys, she said. <laughs> they were really nice you boys. Sh- you showered at, <laughs> at Mrs. Ziegler's house. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. like we bought I towels and brought our own that. towels. And like, like we stopped at Target, bought a bunch of towels and soap and all that stuff. And we drove and knocked on the door. We're like, hey, I don't even know you. I know your, your kid. And, <laughs> and I think your son, I think your new child was there that time, too, because she might have been, been watching him. Yeah, and, he probably uh, was, yeah. And, yeah, so we just kind of went in, showered, sat there and told a few stories and then left and went and got on a plane. <laughs> but I, I think that that story, to me, is so cool because since we've been doing Times About Doors for the last two years almost, I think the coolest part about it has been the relationships that we formed with people that we never would have talked to if sure. we weren't doing it. So, you know, meeting you and that kind of story, it's like – you meet these people in the industry, like you guys. We just met you, the Bowhunter Chronicle guys, just just this today, right. and and 
you know, I'm sure we'll probably stay friends now. You yeah. know, you form a relationship with people in the hunting industry, and uh, I, that's the coolest part to me about doing all. It this is. Shit. It's a huge world, and it's a huge network that brings everybody kind of together. All at one. We're all one time. doing a common thing. We all yeah. love hunting. Hunting yeah. community's pretty tight. Yeah. It the is. hunting no, and it's small it. too. I mean, ultimately. You get to know a lot of people in a hurry, yeah. and that's kind of who's there. Yeah, yeah, so. you do. So I, I got to know how you linked up with these guys. Yeah, uh, all these guys. Uh, yeah. Right. How, how, how Man, did you guys? It's like a random group of people here. Yeah. We got I mean, Zach from Gaylord. Zach <laughs> <laughs> from his mom. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, how did you? Me from my mom. How'd that work out? I mean, ultimately, it's through Tethered, right? Yeah, right, right. And, uh, with for sure with Zach and Chad and everybody, it's just like these are names that pop up and they're constantly wanting to help and whatever else. And and last year we asked for some volunteers at a trade show and these guys came and helped out and and Adam. Everybody's just it all comes from the saddle hunting community and that group of people because like you said, it's a small world. People are tight and with social media, you can literally have relationships with people all over the country. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I I knew Greg literally for over five years and had never seen his face um i met him face to face at saddlepalooza six months before we launched tethered like i had only talked to him on the phone and on online forums but we had known each other for years through the saddle hunter forum we'd always been in communication but it's really weird right so I, if you go through my phone right now all of the pro staff on Tether. Go through your pictures. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look scary. at, if you, you look at, your wife's missing you. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go through like my my uh, phone book, most of the guys that are uh, from the tethered staff, they're still in my phone as their saddle hunter usernames because that's how I met these guys. So, like, Taylor is Putt for Doe, Greg is G2 Outdoors, okay. Sean is Bass Boy, and I have them all in my that's phone funny. as their usernames from Saddle Hunter because awesome. that's where I learned them. I didn't know these guys' real names forever, yeah. you know, and it's so weird the first time I went to Saddle Palooza when I actually got to sit in a fire with all of these people that I've been talking to for years, and all of a sudden I had to learn everybody's names. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was, it was real really interesting. <laughs> we, we have a similar, in the fire service, it's a... It's a small world too, so mm-hmm. like we relate the, the fire service to the hunting community the same way. You know, like we know same thing with social media now. We know people from all over the place. I mean, I, I have gotten jobs because of just networking with people, and I got jobs that are out of state with other firemen. And you know, the hunting community is the same way as the fire service. It's like it's the same thing. Sure, you, you literally have the same situations where I work for a nonprofit, and it's because of. All these people that I talked to for years on Facebook, and then it just turned into something. That, sure. and then one day I had to actually meet them in person. It was, it was weird. <laughs> it was pretty cool. But it's, it's a tight-knit community. There's almost like, you know, they say in the fire service it's a brotherhood. I really think you got that in the, the hunting sure. community as yep. well. Sure. And there's, yeah. you know, people are going to listen to this, and there's going to be bullshit. There's drama. We have it in the fire service, too. Sure. And so, and, and it doesn't matter. You get a group of people together, you're going to have some weird Yeah, and shit. I mean, with the tethered thing, we definitely have people who are, you know, pro-tethered. We have some people who aren't. Um, I haven't but, seen that. Yeah, you haven't seen that? No, oh. I haven't. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I, know, I think I know one person. Yeah. <laughs> but if you, 
if you go back to the old days of the Saddle Hunter Forum when there was, call it a thousand members on that forum, most of those guys are pretty tight. That's um, cool. And they they do a lot of things to kind of stick up for each other. I mean, there's been people who have had like a bow got lost in the mail or, or they, they did a PayPal deal and got screwed and these guys will all pull together and like buy the guy that got screwed a new bow. Oh, like that's I awesome. see I see that stuff happen all the time. That's awesome. And it's that core group of guys that were on Saddle Hunter in the beginning. Back when saddle hunting was like it was like the nerdy thing to do and, still and is. nobody did it. it. Still is. Yeah. Just a lot of people do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Still nerdy. Coming from a guy that still does not have a saddle yet is uh, I can't get away from these guys making fun of me for. <laughs> I know. Hey, I know a guy a saddle hunter. I'm sure he told you about it. Uh, uh, right. Yeah. Saddle hunting is the CrossFit of, of the hunting world right now. Ernie They're does like, CrossFit too. Oh, you do? <laughs> well, I, uh, that explains. Yeah, you know He's really into veganism. He's it's really it's an off brand. Vegan He's gluten free. Yeah, it's oh the same God, thing. You're gluten Hashtag free vegan saddle cats. hunter. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> yeah. So. So, Bull, you guys, Bull Hunter Chronicles. Yeah. Um, how did you hook up with the Tether guys? Same thing. So, what's the, this story is very hilarious to me, but then let's embarrassing hear as well. So, <laughs> like even better. So, I like embarrassing. So we we started this podcast and um, started networking with other people that do podcasts. And this guy in Florida was, like, telling me about all these people, blah, blah, blah. You need to do the saddle hunting stuff. And I was like, no way. This is crazy. And um, so then finally I'm like, all right, well, at least for the podcast, I'm going to have to figure it out. So I'm like, I asked for one for Christmas. And uh, my mom. I, Your mom I'm, got it for you? My, she did. <laughs> but. Did you but, get an erector but, soul, too? But you just wait. Did it say this, from Santa Claus on it? No, it did not. No. <laughs> However. No, this is. You think that's bad. So go down the line, right? And we've done like, oh, four podcasts at this point. You know, we're just getting everything rolling. And um, and actually, like, Greg had reached out to me, and it got lost in the, the whole thing about, like, hey, do you want to be tethered or, like, right when it was starting up, like, hey, do you want to be part of this or anything like that? You want me to come on the podcast and talk saddle hunting because Walter had put him sure. you know, in touch with us, right? Got lost. I never got back to him, like, whatever so that was right when tethered launched and then back orders were forever was pre-order all this Please stuff don't remind me that was hell yeah I so remember that. so then my mom orders this thing in like october for christmas and here it's december so my mom is calling tethered <laughs> saying my son has a podcast no and way. like emailing and emailing and emailing and emailing. Your mom sounds like a wonderful oh, person. Oh, she was she was uh, persistent. Oh, I do awesome. remember yeah. your mom. She wrote, she wrote you. You're a like, very, listen, I've never even showered in your house. She wrote you a very angry letter. So, oh, it was you've ruined my son's Christmas. It was, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It wow. was yeah. That's she laying it on like thick the whole you thing. Ruined Christmas. Yeah. So, oh my that's god. That's tough, man. I, so then, I cannot believe I just put those two dots together in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you just now realized that's. Well, I told him that. So I told him that at ATA, like the year after Christmas, because ATA is like right in January. So then my mom's telling me all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, you're like, I'm so, going to be embarrassed. So, so then, like, with. He said Taylor. So we had Taylor on our podcast. We go back and forth with Taylor. We had 9 million beers with Taylor like that right before that. So the next day, and they weren't at ATA um, 
what, exhibiting, right, I guess? You guys yeah, just walking around. We were just there with backpacks. We were, to be honest with you, we were kind of scoping it out. We wanted to see what AT is about and whether or not we wanted to have a booth next year. So we were kind of, you know. This was last year? So it would have been January of 2019. Uh, okay. We went kind of incognito. We didn't, you know, we, we went as G2 Outdoors. We had badges for press pass yeah. and, and we were just there getting the feel for the land trying yeah, to figure yeah. out how we were going to do it because if we were going to do ata we were going to go big yeah you, you did you went big i saw <laughs> i saw all types of stories and <laughs> posts and pictures yeah, yeah so so regardless like i walk up to him and i'm like yeah hey you know this is it. and greg's like oh so you're the guy your mom right and i'm like yeah <laughs> Dude, yeah that was awesome. that was my mom and then so since then like you go out and whether it's the I, you know the community is really small like the hunting community or whatever but yeah, right. even at ata like there's a lot of shit that you don't care about or want to yeah. see and a lot of egos and a lot of stuff so you you meet people that you can like relate to yep, and yep. stuff like that and then you go out and just get shit face drunk face with them drunk. and then yep. here we are <laughs> you know a year and a half later or whatever well, and, saying and taylor's one of those guys yeah oh yeah oh yeah well, Billy is Billy is John's sidekick here, so. Oh yeah, <laughs> Billy's another one. You know, Billy, uh, Billy actually took a saddle to Africa this year mm-hmm. and killed a bunch of animals out of a saddle. Did he film it? Uh, I don't know if he filmed it or not. Get pictures at least. He's got pictures. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's cool. That guy's awesome. You yeah. guys are both from Michigan. Yep. And and you're from Gaylord. <laughs> you. Gaylord. I want to know about you. How Gaylord. did you? You just you. You volunteered to help out at the tethered booth. Yeah. Correct? Yep. And that's how you got hooked into this whole thing. Now, were you one of those forum guys? I was on the forum a couple years ago during the summertime. I heard a podcast. Um, it was one of Mark Kenyon's podcasts on Wired to Hunt. I love Mark Kenyon. Yeah, and it was with Mark John. Mark Kenyon still owes us some tumblers, though. Yeah, he's <laughs> going to yeah, He told us he was going to send us some, and then he ghosted us. <laughs> <laughs> He's had his hands full. I know. <laughs> I, know. I, I only sure. say it to talk shit. I would say it if he was sitting right here. I, I'm like 100% sure that Mark Kenyon has his hands full. I'm not trying to be a jerk yeah. to Mark. But Kenyon. like I said, he just had a new baby. Yeah, so. I know. Mark's are, Mark is. I could have my mom call him. Every <laughs> 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 mom call Mark oh. and say, we need those tumblers. I'm telling you, I cannot <laughs> believe that was your mom. Now that I put that story together in my head, because oh, I remember wow. your mom. She was pretty persistent. <laughs> I think my mom would do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you she loves her little boy. I'm her firstborn. She loves you. She loves you. No, no. Like I said, though, Mark Kennedy is. A, I'm not trying to be a jerk to Mark. He's good. He's got a great podcast. He named his first kid First Light, so that's weird. <laughs> first Light meat eater. <laughs> Man, he's got a great thing going. It, it was just funny because he did. We we sent him a message about a fundraiser, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll send you some tumblers," and then like. Things it was right around the time that like the meat eater stuff took off, and then sure. we never really heard from him again. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> you got busier than yeah, shit. He, he so. switched gears. That's yeah, for sure. no shit. No so that's cool. Yeah, no, no, I just disclaiming. I'm just messing around. I don't want him to be like, fuck those guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that dude's a hard worker. Oh my I mean, god. Or you could just edit all this out of the podcast. Story. Well, did you to hear the conversation we had with him at ATA where we kind of no. went through. You'll have to look it up, but if yeah, we go through his whole story of of how he built the Wired to Hunt, uh, what the transition was like to go to Meat Eater, <laughs> what the process was like to write his book, and all the things that, like, 
built Mark to where he is and what it took to get there, and it's a great story. Oh, shit ton of hard work. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately work. what it was. Any any success story requires a few things. Um, you got to have hard work. Yeah. You got to have opportunity, and you got to take a big ass risk. Yeah. And he did all three he of did. them, he and did. it worked he really out perfect. Did. Yeah. And he and he he does a lot of good for the for the for the hunting industry. And, and sure. I, I listened. I learned a lot from from Mark. I actually I shot my biggest buck two years ago, and up to that point, I had shot a whole bunch of. Ye- Year and a half old bucks, and uh, well, you're in Michigan. I, yeah, right. <laughs> I spent seven years passing deer. I didn't shoot a buck for seven years. <clears throat> I finally shot a buck. It would have been 130. It broke his G2 off. He was about 120. Um, and I sent Mark. I sent Mark a message, and he said, "Hey, here's a picture of the deer I shot." And I feel that 100%. I can attribute a lot of it to stuff I've learned listening to his podcast and him and then the guests that he has on there and and how i ended up killing that deer and he was awesome he wrote right back he was like yeah man i love hearing that that's cool so and just mark's one of the reasons that we were in the cameras that we're in right 100 percent the ax 100s i sent him a message again and said what do you film with he told me and that's what we bought sure i bought it because mark kenyon Used it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of seeing a lot of fanboy love over there. Yeah, did he, did he, did he oh, touch yeah. your they make camera? Fun of me because I'm a fanboy of Mark Kenyon and Steve oh, Rinella. Yeah. I'm like the big. Oh my God. They're like, hey, anytime something chubby? happens, they're like, hey, Steve Rinella's in. The, check this out, your boy is whatever. I'm like, Shh. when we first started Times Up Outdoors, Nico and I were just sick of Mark Kenyon. I mean, not because he's a bad guy, but because Scott's like, did you hear Mark Kenyon's latest <laughs> podcast? Dude, he was talking about the CWD thing in Michigan. He's like, what do you think about that? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, I, I like Mark Henry. He's old Pete's. I'll be honest. We started this podcast because of him. So sure. So this as I true. talk shit about the tumblers that he never sent us, I owe a lot to Mark Kenyon for what he inspired me to do. As you probably owe Tethered because he inspired you to jump into this whole saddle thing. And were you yeah. saddle hunting before you? Well, I was listening to that podcast. Like I was riding a lawnmower with headphones in. And I literally pulled over and I looked up on the forum real quick and I was like, what's the cheapest way? And I did a little search and right there on the lawnmower, I ordered a sit drag and a rock climbing harness. And then literally that was all I thought about it. And a couple weeks later it showed up and then it was mid-September. I was trying it out and then I was in a saddle. The next year I got a Mantis. He was talking about a saddle on the podcast. What's that? He was talking about yeah. the saddle. Yeah, it was with podcast with you and uh, Mark go, Kenyon. Go figure. Oh. Unwired okay. to hunt. Yo. That's cool. Did a couple so, with him. Yeah, so I just... And then I got into a Mantis um, the next year. and So you're essentially literally here today because of something that you listened to him talking yeah. about. And he John Eberhart easily. No, I didn't there know. There you that. go. Yeah. See, that's the hunting community, bringing yeah. people together. They yeah. Would it ever possibly ever... Yeah, so I just was on... I got into Mantis, and then I just started annoying guys like Ernie and Greg and... All the other guys saying, if you ever need any help, if you ever need any help, and finally they took me up on it. So. That's cool, man. And it yeah, doesn't hurt that you're not shy. No. <laughs> you're, you got to jump do. right in there. I oh, used yeah. to be the shy kid hiding behind my mom in the grocery store. <laughs> really? <sir>. Yeah. <laughs> Does your mom love you, too? She's not listening to this, so. <laughs> well, and she's like, what people don't know is, is Zach used to be a tournament archer. He what? He was a tournament archer. I didn't know And that. is actually very successful at it. He gave it up, but he used to be awesome at it. Wow, no shit. Where did you... He used, he used to be a bull rider, too. And, yeah, I heard about bull rider. He told me a little bit and about that And he's an today. elk guide. Yeah. Yeah, he told me about that today, too. He showed me... Yeah. Wait, I mean, you're a bull rider? 
Yeah. Nice. So if there are any single women out there, we <laughs> He's under five two. Twenty two. The catch. Was a, there's a catch. I'm five six. <laughs> With heels. You were a ski six. instructor. I'm too. five five and a half. <laughs> on a good day. Five, five and a half. Depends on what type of shoes you're wearing. Sorry, <laughs> right, hey, I'm a short guy too. I'm only like, I'm five seven, ish. Aren't you also a ski instructor or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. I don't instruct. You? That's my winter gig. So, okay. Zach, cool. Zach used awesome. to be a bull rider. I used to ride barrel racers. Does that count? Well, I mean, <laughs> we want to hear about it. We want to talk to you. No, did you, no, use, you, you, used to, you used to ride bulls, but they were different. Say your name again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I used to ride barrel racers. Oh, 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 oh yeah. <laughs> we got another army vet. Yeah, and, sweet. And, and today, yeah, my my fiance's arm. She's in the army. She's active duty. And I have to listen to her talk all day long, and she says um, all these letters and like acronyms and stuff, and I'm like, what? I don't even really know what she does, because she says like these code words. And then I listen to him and him talk today, and I'm like, yeah, there are those, those code words again. <laughs> I have no idea what they're talking about, but they do. So let's let's hear. Take it How away. did you get into? How this did you whole get linked thing? into this whole mess? Well, I I got into saddle hunting because I've had. I got medically retired from the army. I've had multiple spine surgeries, and hunting out of a, a tree stand is next to impossible for me. It's way too painful, and I spent a lot of years spending a lot of money on stands looking for one that was comfortable for me, and it just didn't work. And uh, probably four or five years ago. I was here at Outdoor Rama and I saw John swinging around on a tree in a saddle. I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> so I walked up and we started talking and he, he said, you got to try it out. So I ended up trying it out and long story short, I can sit dark to dark in a saddle without pain and I'll never sit in a tree stand again. And then I met Ernie with him and John were at Outdoor Rama a couple years ago and we got talking and then I ended up helping Ernie out at uh, Deer Fest last year and that's how we got hooked up together and it's been love ever since. This podcast has a theme of bringing people together and, and, <laughs> and loving relationships. We're all in love. We love each other. Well, and for those of you who've never met Chad, he is the biggest Teddy bear. On yeah, the if you planet. can't, if yes. you're not watching, he's huge. Dude, he's a big guy. Dude, I saw this guy yesterday when we were out, when we were having beers right over here. I'm like, that guy's huge. That guy's a fucking man. Well, <laughs> well, we were we were supposed to film a little video for Carbon TV today, and um, I I said let's just use uh, we'll use that guy. Over. I said no, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> I I don't want to look like a tiny person, so we're like we'll just find random people from the crowd to do this video because I don't want to look like a tiny person. <laughs> if anybody's ever watched Greg Gutfeld on Late at Night on the Fox, uh, Chad kind of reminds me of Tyrus. Just a big guy. He's a big guy. A mammoth, but you um, know he's sweet as a button. That's, that's cool, man. That's like, uh, it's, I mean, like all, all of us here, we've all been brought together by, by hunting, saddle hunting, but it doesn't people might be listening to this and be like what is this a giant ad for saddle hunting yes i, I mean it kind of is <laughs> yeah I mean, absolutely technically but we're all just talking about but it's you know, truth we have. yeah i mean it's, it's a good pot 
at the end of the day, I mean, saddle hunting or not, either way, you were still out in the woods. For some reason, you you ended up in a saddle. You ended up with either John or, or Ernie, and it, it it started in the woods of you hunting. Like, you couldn't hunt because you got all these spine surgeries. and I mean, it, it was painful for you to hunt, so now you got, you're sitting in a saddle. You know, yeah, saddle, saddle or not. Yeah, it's, uh, it's all brought together by the outdoors. I've got, I've got to make a comment real, right, real quick. Got to. Chad, Chad is a testament because we get people all the time. I'm sure Ernie does and Greg does on Facebook. You know, well, I've got back issues, lower back issues. I don't know if I can hunt in a saddle. And trust me, hunting out of a saddle is way more comfortable than hunting out of a tree stand, even if you have back issues. Because yeah. I talk to a lot of guys with back issues that are hunting out of saddles now, just like Chad, and they can sit in it very comfortably because you can adjust how you sit at any moment. I mean, it's just totally, you have all that adjustment. Whereas in a seat, you're sitting in the same exact position the whole time. Well, and to piggyback off of that. Piggyback. John likes the word piggyback. I love that word. So, <laughs> um, I personally, the biggest question I get is is two things: price and comfortability. And and I, I tell them, I've is sat. Comfortability all, a word? Mm, no, 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 it's not. It's definitely not. Like a George <laughs> Bush. It's a new word. It's a Bush word. What was Bush's word? Uh, I was thinking the same thing. Strategery. Strategery. <laughs> it's also strategery. I'm thinking. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, Thanks for calling me out, asshole. I, I, th- I think you meant comfort, but I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not oh, really sure. Strategery. It's comfortability. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Jameson. Maybe maybe one too many. I drank a fifth of crown today as well. So, so that, comfort that and mobility? Um, co- comfort and mobility. Okay. There you um, go. The comfort of this, I mean, I've sat, like like he said, dark to dark. I mean, I'm not a big guy, but and I've had a lot of talk, talk to a lot of bigger guys that they're like, well, I'm a big guy. I'm like, I know big guys who sit in a saddle dark to dark. The adjustment, you can make so many different adjustments with a saddle. And with your new one, from what I've learned yesterday, there's more. And I sit in the saddle and I'll move around throughout the day. I, I, I change my position. I, you can sit all day. They're comfortable. You're, it's like you're kind of sitting in a hammock to me. That's how I felt about it. And, and then... The price point of it, we've talked about it a million times today. If you hunt out of a tree stand, and you let's say you hunt private land, and you got 100 acres, you, you got your spot set up. Okay, I'm going to hunt here, here, and here. I'm going to sit, and I'm going to look over there, and I'm going to say, I need a tree stand over there. Next year, I'm going to Cabela's, and I'm going to buy another tree stand. I'm going to set it up over there. And then next year, I'm going to see, I need a tree stand over there. I'm going to go to Cabell's. I'm going to buy another tree stand over there. You spend $200 now. I bought a tree stand every year. Almost every year. I was yep. always buying a new tree stand. Yep. I hunt 160 acres with my stepdad and my brothers, and they hunt out of ladder stands. And now I'm, this year they were saying, oh, we should put a tree stand over in that back corner on the southwest side. I said, yeah, you should. Well, you want to go in on it? No. Why not? Well, I have a saddle. I don't need to go in on a ladder stand. I don't ever need to buy another stand ever. And because I have the saddle, I can pretty much sit wherever I want. The thing coming from a guy that doesn't have a saddle yet, I guarantee you by Sunday I'm gonna, 
I'm buying a saddle. Guaranteed. They'll be sold out. Uh, well, well, these guys went to Missouri and they hauled. That's they that's hauled a problem. Uh, when, when we went to Missouri, if he has one left, yeah, yeah, right. you see, we sold out this afternoon They're around four o'clock. Well, what did you say? You had seven left. I, I guess I I'll be on seven ba- left. I'll be on back order, and maybe my wife will give you a bad email about like <laughs> you ruined his birthday. Adam's mom can hey, get a hold uh, of him. Yeah, she still got the number saved in her phone under those motherfuckers. If anybody's having a problem getting their tethered saddle, just have Adam's mom call her. Call him. I'm telling you, that is the highlight of my day. <laughs> I love that we made that connection on this podcast. <laughs> my my yeah. problem was when I went to Missouri, we were hunting public land up there, and I walked, we, Nico and I walked two and a half miles one way just to get out to where we wanted to hunt. We were sitting out on a campsite or just land with a tent, and we'd walk, and it was 110 degrees sometimes. There, we, there's, and yeah. we were walking out there, and both of Nico and I both don't have uh, saddles yet. And so I'm hauling this climber in and out of here. Every time I sit down, I go and look, and I see, oh, man, this is a better spot to set up next time. By the end of the third or fourth day, I just started leaving my climber in the woods. I'm like, I'm not. there's no way I'm walking in and out with this damn thing. But then I would get halfway out there and be like, oh, this is brand new deer sign. And I look over, and I see an oak tree. I'm like, well, shit, I'd like to sit right here. But now it's, you know, five in the morning, and my climber is a mile and a half that way. I'm like, man, I would wear this thing in and out of here. Yeah. And just... That's it, what I did. Yeah. Should I get a saddle. I, I need to get a saddle. My, my property's a mile deep and a uh, quarter mile wide. And to get to different places, sometimes I have a mile and a half walk just because i got to go around stuff. Sure. And uh, I hunt a new sign, like, all season. I would Some days I would, like, I don't know where I'm going to sit today. I'm literally just going to walk out there. And I'm gonna look for new sign, and I'm gonna hunt it. You understand, John Eberhardt's cringing right now. Are you saying that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was like, what? oh yeah, you're gonna hunt new sign. Wow, what a loser! <laughs> you should have scouted in February. Yeah, so yeah, much yeah. Sure. No, my <laughs> biggest, right. my biggest buck I've ever killed was a freelance hunt. So. Yeah, yeah, right, right. The well, one, the one I went out. I said I'm gonna hunt new sign. I get out there. I'm walking this uh, creek edge, and I, I find a, a big scrape that I know wasn't there before. And I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. And I, there's a tree, a perfect tree to sit in a saddle. I should sit in that tree. I'm like, I'm going to walk 50 more yards and see if there's anything else that way. So I start walking, and on the other side of the creek, here comes this big-ass eight-point running. And I'm, it's bow season, and it, was, it, was, it had snowed. It was cold as shit. And I'm like, holy shit. I got down on my knees, and I have video of it. I had my GoPro on the, mounted in my bow. And that's all I could do was videotape it. And it stopped, turned around, and stared at me. I'm like, I just sat there. I'm like, shit. I had walked 20 yards from the tree that I originally talked about to myself sitting in, and I didn't sit in. If I would have just set up in that tree, I probably would have had a great opportunity to kill that deer. (laughs) I didn't. We went to Missouri this year, and uh, I'll add a piece of equipment to your Missouri hunting list that is just invaluable, is we took e-bikes. What's that? We took e-bikes. Yeah. And uh, throw your saddle and your e-bike. And we were doing that same two and a half miles, but we were doing it on bikes. Oh, man. And so we would ride the bikes down these old logging roads. You know, we'd park here, and then it was an all, you know, walk-in or bicycle access. And we were going in two and a half, three miles to these food plots that were way back in the middle of nowhere. That's awesome. And just deer everywhere. Yeah. And it was the same thing. Went in, found a place, set up, hunt. And see, that, that's the one thing, because you were all in public, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so 
for whatever reason, Missouri, I don't know if anybody else has been there, they yeah, manage they manage the shit out of their public oh, hell yeah. Dude, there are food plots in Missouri nope. I in the middle of these oh, yeah. random yes, yeah. just public land parcels that are out there. And it, it's just like we walked two and a half miles back, scrubbing through trees, walking through swamp, doing all this crap. And then all of a sudden we roll, roll up on a cornfield. I'm like, what the hell? Undercut with clover. I'm like, what yeah, is this? Yeah, I didn't know anything They about make this. maps yeah. where you can just look at that kind of stuff on your phone, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys yeah. Yeah. One of those Base map, base yeah. Base map, yeah. they have that? That's pretty cool. I no, yeah. it, and it's it like you great. can just like zoom in and it shows no all that. Public or not. They didn't know that. <laughs> well, I, I know I because Nico scouted at the firehouse. On his uh, on on X, and I don't think it's on on X. <laughs> oh. He was looking. He's like, I think this is a good area to go. <laughs> well, we did. We walked right back there, and there's like yeah. a, a hundred acre cornfield, awesome. and then yeah. it steps down Michigan into clover, and then there's yeah. like turnips. I'm like, I wish Michigan yeah. would do a lot of things. Yeah, and it was awesome. I mean, spots, but it's like we had seven guys. We hunted a week, and five out of seven of us killed an eight pointer better. Greg killed a 140 inch ten point. I mean, there was just deer everywhere. But we were three miles from the parking lot, and we rode the e-bikes in. And the best part was, and this is just, you can't discount this, when we did kill a deer, we put a trailer on the e-bike, no. and we put a deer on the trailer, and we rode it right back out. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. I didn't even think about I'll that. Be, I was like, honest. when I'm going to shoot this. I've thought about happen? the e-bike thing. There's different oh, brands that I've looked at. Oh, you, oh, man. I have this weird mental thing that I, like, can't get over. I feel like walking makes me more, I'm like more of a hunter. But I know it's bullshit. It makes it's you fat and sweaty. That's what it makes you. Thing. That is weird. Sure. It is, right? <laughs> yeah. Drag like, the deer. Right, so if I ride an e-bike, I don't want to tell anybody I rode an e-bike. I want to act like I walked out there. But like Drag the deer out three miles yeah, right. and see how much right. of a hunter no, you feel like. It's, <laughs> such bull, it's such a bullshit thing to think, to think well, that way. Well, I, can, I don't know why. You know what? I'm amazed at how many deer I see on my e-bike. Literally, well, yeah, because I'm covering a lot of ground. It's quiet, and all of a sudden, I just look over, and there will be deer here and deer there. I did a city park hunt last year, and I think I saw eight bucks in one afternoon just on my bike cruising the trails. Wow. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, to piggyback off of that, like, piggyback. how you don't want to tell somebody. There you go. Uh, That's his word. Yeah, you know, it's your podcast. You I'm just trying to build That's build your, content for you, you know. Piggyback. But, you know... For the e-bike thing and that being like sweaty and walking in that yeah. that way, so we when we were in Missouri, it was kind of like the same same deal. There's a bunch of public land, all managed, whatever. But we went there and didn't pay attention to like the dates. We got there on the youth hunt for them, so it was like gun hunters everywhere, okay, and, like yeah, right, everything. Right, right. So everywhere we went, there was people. But we brought a canoe and we went just right across this lake and got up on these finger ridges. And we got into the that that's where we found the bucks while we were there. Everywhere else we scouted there was more human sign. But the last day that we were there, some guy that didn't have an e-bike walked two and a half miles from the road from the other way and he was very pissed when he saw us hanging in the trees. <laughs> so I mean the canoe is kind of on the same thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and no, it, it I is. feel like that's the crossfit too. Like you need to if you're not in a saddle, canoeing in, doing all that bullshit, oh you know, that's the cool thing to do, right? So I feel like it the is, opposite of the e-bike is like, well, I was in a canoe, yeah, but, right. you know. I hear you on that. Yeah, I, I don't know why I have that stupid, uh, it's like a crux I got. Like, I'm just like a king. I'm with John. That is stupid. That is it really is stupid. Dumb. It is dumb because 
If I could drive my truck out there, I would. <laughs> I would hunt out of my truck. I don't care. Well, we, we, when I shot that one buck a couple years ago, he came out to help me um, track it. And uh, we we finally found blood, and, and then it was dark liver blood. So we let it go. We just went back to my camper. And when we went back out there, I'm like, why are we walking a mile and a half? It was frozen ground. Let's drive your truck. <laughs> then I was like, well, we should have walked out here and drug a deer out. That's the manly sure. thing to it's do. It's a manly yeah. thing to do. Post it on Instagram, put our deer on our shoulders. <laughs> and I would then, never, I'll never do that. The body cavity over your head. Yeah, right. yeah, blood all over your face. I'll tell you, back when I owned just a shitbox truck, I would drive that through the woods, like That's over bushes and everything, to just to avoid dragging a deer out. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, I, I told you a story. Told you a story about the deer that I was trying to kill all year last season. Yeah. There's a part of the story that I don't tell a whole lot of people, and I'll tell. I'll say it on the podcast. (laughs) So don't tell tell anybody. The 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 morning that I the the morning before gun opener. So it's the last night of bow. The spot I was sitting in is a mile walk, and I was sick and tired of making that walk. So I rode, my thought was I'm going to ride my four-wheeler halfway and then park it in the brush and walk the rest of the way. I think I told you I saw the deer in a flashlight. Yeah. I lied. I saw, I saw him in the, in the headlights of my four-wheeler. <laughs> I was like, God damn. Now we know we can't believe anything yeah, you said. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, no. And, and I kicked myself for that. I'm like. And I had such a far walk that every now and then I would do that. I would ride the four-wheeler out there. And I'm like, they see farm equipment all the time and stuff like that. I don't really think it would affect anything, but that day it did. It, 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 it might have ruined my chances of killing that deer. He got killed the next morning. <laughs> but not, not, not by, by you. Not by you. <laughs> Kid across the street killed him. You want to clarify that, right, Ernie? <laughs> Kid across the street killed him. Nice eight point. <laughs> I, I want to hear from the silent assassin over here. He didn't said a single word. <laughs> hey, you're pretty quiet. Is your microphone on? What's going on with you, bud? No. Uh, let's. I want to hear more about Bo, Bo Hunter Chronicles. Yeah, we got to hear yeah. about this. What do you want to know? There you go. Yeah, I can hear you. How did We're you just get a couple clowns from the west side of the state that. Muskegon, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. How'd you get linked Actually, up? You, yeah, he. If you, uh, you love Brunella, yeah. You to Shut up, really? And oh, God. What was he like? He's getting a chubby over here. <laughs> <laughs> what Take your hand like? out of his pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Hold on one minute. We're gonna we're gonna take a real quick intermission. What's wrong? I don't know. He's got to take a complete. His mic's off. Fix it. Stand by. Stand by the stand mic. All right. Hey, give him that. Another mic. You gotta start that one all over again now. Did you hear the part where I asked what Ralph was? Yeah, I heard that. Did you get the part where he has a chubby? <laughs> Stand by. <laughs> Try that. <laughs> Hell no. He said, is, your, is that cord plugged into the board? Yeah, it's right here. Mmm. Come on, bud. No. Spit, uh, spit on it. <laughs> yeah, spit on it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make the uh, 
Shoot it. You blow on it. It's like a Nintendo. Should we make him move his his C? He can come sit down here. Would that work better? Yeah, you got to come sit over here. But you got to bring your mic. I thought that didn't work. Mic will travel. Yeah, it will travel. You got to come sit over here. You got to plug it. Otherwise, it won't. So you think it's the cable? I probably got a bad cord. That's my bad. That's my bad voice. I thought you were the sound expert. I told all these guys that you were an expert at sound, and we're looking pretty bush league. I'll I got you, my equipment in the car, guys. I'll be that right back. The podcast that we did with uh, Kenyon at ATA, we're doing it. We're going along. We're going along. And all of a sudden, the batteries in the Zoom died, and we had oh, nothing. No. Everything just <laughs> gone. Oh, oh man. <laughs> well, I, it's funny because I told he's a fanatic about sound, and, like, he'll get yeah. mad. Like, this sounds like crap. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. There and you I'm go. I'm like, dude, yeah. listen. Did you get the part where Zig had a chubby? We got that. All right, so Silent Assassin, here we go. So he yeah. was talking about Ronella earlier. Yeah, and his yeah, chubby. He, he and I went to school with him. He was, he was a great above me, and he was really good friends with my cousin Jeff. But oh, shit. Like, I used to play hockey in, in high school, and we'd go up and play on the, the lakes. And uh, remember, like, one night we are up there, and we had a glow-in-the-dark puck, and we're out playing. And then we ended up going back to Ronella's house, and we're hanging out in his basement, and he had he, – if you listen to his podcast, he – you hear him talk about how they used to brew their own beer. Yeah. I remember walking into his basement, and he had this one of them big old ceramic crocks that, like, people make sauerkraut and stuff. Yeah. And there's this shit floating in, like, what the hell is that? He's like, oh, we're making our own, we make our own beer. <laughs> like, I mean, those guys were making their own beer before oh, it was shit. cool. You yeah, know right, I mean? yeah, that was way before it was cool. Yeah. They were making it because it was cheaper. Yeah, yeah right. they were making it because, well, like, back then, like, their dad was like, hey, you guys can make it. If you make it, you can drink it. Yeah. Sorry. You know, it's like, People make it now so they can post a picture on Instagram. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, they didn't have deer heads to wrap in foil and bury in coals at that point. So. <laughs> yeah, right. So how did you link up with the Chronicles? So he, he's the freaking genius behind the whole yeah, thing. Like, I am just like the zig of the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm the outlandish face, the the marketer that all the stuff he's the smart genius guy of the whole thing so he's giving me too much credit i just i i like to i've always worked on my own bows and my dad's like i was telling earlier like our local uh pro shop my dad used to paint all the bows back before bows were painted i mean you'd buy a new bow and it was all shiny Mm -hmm. and so then my dad would paint all the bows back then it was called engler archer our, our little pro shop and so and my dad shot at the Bowman's Club, and he, you know, he uh, did a lot of target shooting, and my uncle as well. So he married into my family. Oh, yeah. So Adam, oh, okay. Adam married my cousin Casey. So this is a half-to deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> and so well, what happens? Like my we, wife's dad is fucking Grizzly Adams. Like I walked into Ace Ventura's room of death, and I was like, "So do you hunt?" And he's like. Yeah. I'm like, did you, you kill all these? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, with a bow or a gun? He goes, mostly a bow. He says, do you hunt? I said, yeah, we got 240 acres in the UP. He says, welcome to the family. That's day one. <laughs> that was the first night. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so that's how. So we, you know, our podcast started. He would come over and hang out in the garage. I'd be working on a bow or doing something. And he's like, what about this? Or what about that? And we just end up talking for hours. And finally, he's like, 
Do you want to just start a podcast? Because we can just record the shit that we're talking about. And I'm like, well, all right. So. And you guys are crying. You, you guys, you guys, you guys blew up. <laughs> you want to hear something strange? Yeah, I want to hear When I worked at Jay's in the 70s, I can remember bows coming in that were painted that your dad painted. <laughs> yes. Yes, because his dad used to put little silhouettes of deer and then paint over top so there was yeah. a, a deer in the actual would, on the limbs. He, I mean, you know, slave labor, what do you want to call it? I remember as a kid, they would he would give me like all the old outdoor magazines and an exacto knife, which you know, razor sharp, and I would cut out all the, the deer heads. And oh, you know, I don't know how many times I cut myself, you know. <laughs> and so he would have all the little silhouettes, so they'd paint the bow flat black. Yeah. And then he'd go and put the the deer head up there and spray it with gray or green or whatever the guys wanted. And he had some little tree bark stencils too. That's cool. And so yeah, there's still some of them hanging around. I see them every <laughs> once in a while. You know. So you guys started a pot. How long have you been doing the podcast? About two years now. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are saddle hunters as well. So we are now. Yeah. Tell everybody. I mean, thanks to my mom. You let but, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, tell so, everybody. Everybody has to know. No. No. So to be honest with you, like. First of all, I, I told you, like, I was like, yeah, Walter, you're crazy. Like, I'm yeah, not, right, you know. Right, right. Well, so then I was like. In all honesty, Walter is crazy. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I talked to him just about every day. But he, he was one of the ones that posed in a Speedo. Oh, for yeah. This as he loves so. Ernie. Uh, wow. The whole thing. Yeah. Right across his chest. I don't yeah. need to see that. And he looks like Gimli from Lord like. of the Rings. <laughs> my dog's exactly. name is Walter. <laughs> so I yeah, know. I love that. My real name is Walter. <laughs> that about winds up, right? So, like. You guys maybe see this, maybe you don't, and like what you're doing, but it's like to have like an honest conversation or people are going to ask you questions rather than say, I think, or yeah, it looks, whatever. Like you have to try it out and you, right. so you can have firsthand experience. So right. I get my saddle and I start using it, and John is like, it's the stupidest thing yeah. I've ever like, seen. What the hell are you doing with that thing? Yeah. He's hanging on the tree in his yard. I'm like, <laughs> and I've read, you know, I have your book, I have John's books, and I've read it, and it's like, I'm like, yeah, I just, I just don't, I just like my tree stands, you know. We've hunted out of climbers, lock-ons, everything. Yeah, yeah, right. And then, so Adam got it, and I was like, yeah, you can have your little swingy toy thing, you know. Gay swing. Yeah. And so, but then, so this year, I'm like Chad, I've, I had, I've had four back surgeries. So I've had, I mean, and matter of fact, this last year, we were supposed to go. Adam and I had a trip planned to go out to South Dakota antelope hunting, and we had to cancel because I, I couldn't walk. Oh no shit! I was I was down for almost five weeks. Wow! And so, like, end up. Yeah, yeah. So it really is. And John's a big guy. I mean, like, That's huge. Yeah, I'm yeah. six three, two two thirty five. Yeah, yeah, you're you're yeah. a big dude. What, what, what I got What do you play in hockey? You still play? You still play? I puck? can't play no more. No. 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 I didn't know he played hockey. Is his hey. hair? No, he was oh, talking he about Ronella as a kid. Oh, okay. Ronella Keep up. This is yeah. your podcast. Listen, man. You're that's lit. why you need the headphones. Right. You did say you play hockey. Yeah. Yeah, I played all through high school. <laughs> We're all he heard was Ronella. I mean, I just seen your hair flow. Yeah. You know, you what happened? I blacked out. Back. It's well, a hockey player thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like Ronella. What? Oh, well, yeah. no. what? I blacked <laughs> out. <laughs> he, he forced gumped it over. Gosh darn it. So finish finish your story. Oh, so with the my back, I you know it was just too much and I, I ended up 
I didn't get to hunt the first few weeks of bow season here. I was out in Maine on a color tour, so with my wife for our anniversary. But oh, so I got back. What the hell is a color tour? Isn't that lovely? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Who actually, gets married at the right? The what is a color tour? Look at the changing color of the leaves. Look at the leaves. The leaves. Yeah, you had to leave the state when the trees turn color. You realize they have trees in Michigan. Yeah, you know we've done that many times. But I wanted. We went up and found moose and everything. We'll make funny later for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got. I got to admit, color tour brought a lot of different images to yeah, my head. Yeah. Nothing to do with leaves. Nothing to do with leaves. Yeah, we had to clear that out. Oh, I had no idea right. what was going we, on we, there. We, but cool. we go there. Cool. No. <laughs> I'm good right now. Thanks. So go on. Great waitress. So after the color tour. So after the color tour. <laughs> so so I get back. And the last two years, I'd been. We agreed, like, we're going to start filming our haunts, you know, for the podcast. So, you know, I get all the, like, hand-me-down. Adam buys all this stuff. He's like, okay, I don't want this here. You take it. So I got, like, the Muddy Pro camera arm, which weighs, like, I swear, eight pounds. I got that. I got the same one. And I got, but what's really funny, if you took a picture of my camera, it's the little tiny Sony little Vixia handy cam. Like yeah, oh yeah. I could put it on the straw probably, but, but I got it on this mega arm. Like I could probably stand on the arm, you know. And so, so and then I had my like XOP stand and sticks. And I weighed my pack. It was 62 pounds. Jesus. And I hunted like two times and with it. Well, you need a smaller camera. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clearly. Do you like that camera? <laughs> oh, it's Chip Douglas. So either way, that, 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 you're screwing your back up. Well, so, right? so yeah. I ended up, I ended up, like there was like three hunts where I didn't even get in a stand. I didn't even. I'm like, I'm just gonna hunt on the ground because my, you know, my back was killing me. Then I ended up doing an old Dan infall and going out like a mile out into the swamp and got out there and it took me like two hours to get out in the shit and i was like i couldn't i wanted to go farther but i'm like if i go any farther i'm never gonna get out of here <laughs> so i got out there got my stand started raining got down and i was literally gonna just leave the stand in the woods i'm like no one's ever gonna come out here and find this i'm never coming back to this spot but i don't give a shit because it was so heavy i was like and i end up like i'm gonna i'm looking on onyx like all right i'm just gonna cut across this wrong it took me two and a half hours to go like two-thirds of a mile you know even though i cut the distance i almost lost my boots i mean it was like one point i'm like not having a good day i'm like just gonna lay there and like after that i curl up in a ball like for like two three days i couldn't walk cry for somebody to come help me i told adam i'm like i told him like dude i gotta do something different i said i'm gonna i'm not gonna be able to hunt you know it's gonna i might not even get out of the woods if it if i screw something up and so he's like, well, here, try my manis. So I went out. I'm like, I got to have a freaking saddle. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, he's like, well, you know, we couldn't get it there. You guys were, like, sold out. Couldn't get one. Last so, year was tough. Yeah. So I ended up. It's a good thing for you. Ended up getting a, a trophy line. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, oh, holy shit. Well, I added that out, don't worry. <laughs> Come on, they're a viable saddle too. And so, I mean, I hunted out of it, and you know, it worked. I mean, it was way better than 
you know, carrying carrying my stand and all that. Yeah, it doubles as an ATV cover too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but definitely big, no it was more. Yeah, I could, you know, like I'm a big guy. Like, like big? Superman cape. They're yeah, they're never, they're very deep them. though. Okay. Very deep seats. Big. But definitely. <laughs> but I'm like, we definitely got to get. I gotta get into the tethered. So, but what's funny is, so we did a podcast like outlining like our our gear that we use for the season and everything like that. And so we told oh, Ernie about this already. But like as they were developing the Phantom, like we did a very shitty video podcast and the lighting was so poor I couldn't use the video of it. Yeah. But like so on that we were going through the pros and the cons of the the different saddles that we had and <laughs> everything like that. And so we had the, the Mantis and the Trophy Line side by side, and we said, if you just did this, and you did that, and you did this, and you did that, you did this, and you did that, that would be, like, what exactly we were looking for. And this is before ATA. We show up at ATA, and the Phantom is everything that John oh, said, no like, right to a T. Like, the shape of it, everything right down to, like... So that's one of the interesting things about, like, you know... With with saddles and the new the new Phantom that's that's out, so everybody that was involved in the process has been saddle hunting for years and years and right. years, and right, it's right, all right, those right. little intricacies and all the things that they would change or whatever you would want to do, they put into that. And then so for like our platform and what we do, going to ATA and seeing this the saddle, you know, up to that point. You know, a lot. Most of the saddle hunters are like you, or like John, or like myself. You know, I mean, granted, we've had the opportunity to sit in a couple of different saddles, but for the most part, this giant boom. Everybody's only sat in one, and you know, it's it's one of these things where, like you said, you you only buy one, and you don't have to buy one. So, yeah, you take what you can get. And now it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. Well, yeah. these saddles, these these changes, the, everything that's come about are from people that have done it for decades. You right. know, so. Once you've sat in one and you've spent the time, all of the little things, the nuances, those are the things that you're really looking at and going, well, holy shit, that's what I would have done if, you know, right. if I could change one thing, that's what I would do. Yeah. You know? And so there is not a ton of people out there that's, I told the guy today at the show, I said, the kid didn't want to sit in and he's like, yeah, I heard about these or, you know, whatever. I said, there's probably less than 10,000 people in the world that's ever sat in this thing. The, all the ones that are... They're sold out online, and the ones that are in this building and are in North Carolina are the only ones that are for sale right now. You know, it'll be uh, another week or so, and they'll have more in the store. But everybody that's, I guess, talking shit on social media and all this stuff, they've only sat in one saddle or, or whatever. Right. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a booming thing, right? I see that a lot. I, I really do. And, you know, we've always said... Getting a saddle. I don't care what you buy. You know, You're right, right, I'm right. trying to promote the sport. It, You're right. Saddle is a saddle in the fact that a saddle will help you kill deer over a tree stand, right? Now, granted, I feel like my saddle's better, but that's, you know, my biased opinion. Um, but I think you're right. I think a lot of people who maybe haven't sat in a saddle before buy one and they're like, this is the greatest thing ever, so this must be the best saddle ever. Right. Um, and I think the longer you use it or the more variety you've experienced, you start to look for those intricate little details. And those are the details that we tried to put into our newest offering. Right. Yeah. Well, and 
I think that's one of the things that really drew me to, to buying your product. When I talked to you last year, I, I knew about saddle hunting, but I tethered was just something that I knew. I, I had Googled it. There was other companies like uh, like Arrow Hunter or something like that. New um, Tribe. Yeah, that, yeah. New Tribe. Um, but the way you talked about just saddle hunting, and, and you, you even said to me, you didn't care what you buy. You just Obviously, you have a product to sell. You want people to buy your product, but you want people to get into the into the whole thing and then talking to you uh, here in this bar, talking about saddle hunting. You told me that story about your your buddy who was trying to kill a buck and couldn't kill the buck because the doe kept coming out and she would look right up in his tree stand. Oh, yeah. Yes. And then yep. you went in and you killed the doe. Want me to tell that story real quick? <laughs> yeah, tell us here. Yeah, let's hear it. It's a good story. I've got a couple good stories. One's about a different guy. I'm going to tell the one about the yeah, guy that yeah. shot the antelope first. I had a good friend. His name's Eric Guider, and he's from Michigan. He's the Shimano rep in Michigan. And he was out uh, antelope hunting in Arizona. Okay. And he was hunting in a little, you know, little water hole and had a little windmill on the other side of the pond, and he was hunting out of a pop-up line. Well these there was like eight or ten antelope that were coming in every day and they were actually coming in by the windmill and then they were coming into the opposite side of the pond that his pop-up line was on and he could shoot the does but the buck the antelope buck stayed back by the windmill out of range about 50 yards whereas the other side of the pond was about 30 yards so that happened two evenings in a row so the next evening this was ingenious he took a saddle with him. He actually hooked up on the windmill. He climbed up the corner angle of the windmill and what? hooked up on the windmill. And the windmill's going around, so it's making noise, and the antelope never look up. Yeah. And the same exact thing happened. The does came in, and they drank water, and that buck stopped 10 yards from him, and he shot him from the windmill. Holy that's shit. That's fantastic. That is one of the, that's the best saddle story ever in that my is that is that is, that's incredible now mine was there was a good friend of mine and uh, he was hunting on public land and, and this is in michigan after gun season in december snow on the ground and back then baiting was legal and he was a bait hunter which i am not and uh he had this big doe she'd come out of the swamp which was like maybe 15 yards from his bait and she would stand on the edge of the swamp and she would look into the tree that he had a tree stand in he was in a big oak tree and every time she'd come out she'd stop on the edge of the swamp before she'd stick before she'd actually expose herself outside and she would stay, look at that stand and if he was in it she would obviously see him pick him and then she would start blowing and snorting for two to three minutes and then she'd turn around and run back in the swamp and nothing then he wouldn't see anything the rest of the night. So he told me that, and I said, well, would you like me to kill that deer? And he said, well, how are you going to kill it? And this guy's a good hunter. He shot a lot of deer. And I said, do you want it dead or not? And he said, yeah, I want her out of there because there's a couple good bucks still left after gun season. So I went out, and he showed me where it was. I got up in the tree, and I got about 10 feet above where his tree stand was and I hung on the back side of the tree so now I've got the oak as a blocker between the actual oak trunk blocking me from where that doe was going to come out and from the bait pile and, and you were she, higher too yeah. and I was 10 feet above his stand yeah. yes 
Uh, and that doe did exactly what he said. She came out, came out right onto the edge of the swamp. She stared at that tree stand. She looked to the left, she looked to the right, she looked back up at that tree stand. Finally, after about two to three minutes, she moseyed over to that bait pile and she faced the tree. When she was eating these beets, she was facing the tree so she could still see that tree out of her peripheral vision when her head was lowered. And finally, after, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 minutes, she finally turned where she was quartering to me, almost broadside, but slightly quartering to me, and I just leaned to the side of the tree and shot her. And that was the end of that story. And he, I thought that was a really cool story. So I was like, no way I could kill that really cool story. I have a question. Was that the only tree in the area? Because I've heard that same situation mm-hmm. where you're getting busted in this tree stand. You get, and instead of getting in a saddle on the back and going up higher, mm-hmm. a guy will move three trees over. That was the only tree. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, he, that was a big tree where he had a lot. It was a big tree. He had a lot of cover for that particular tree stand. And everything else around it was short and small. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you got a smart old doe. It was a smart old, yeah, bitch. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was probably a five <laughs> or six-year-old doe. That's been my go-to story when people talk to me about saddle hunting. I, I told that story. You, you told us that here last yeah. year. And uh, that was kind of the story that sold me on it. Because kind of like, why why would, why would is saddle hunting setting me apart from tree stand hunting, right. regular to me, that was like the main thing that stood out That's to me. It's like you put yourself between the tree, or you put the tree between you and the animal. When you're hunting at a destination location where deer, like at an apple tree or a white oak tree, where multiple deer are going to come in and feed and they're right. going to be there for 10, 15, 20 minutes, yeah, with a tree stand, you have to have your stand kicked off to the side. Yep. So when the foliage is down, they're looking around and their ears are twitching around and you're likely to get picked when the foliage is down where if you're on the total backside of the tree you just peek you're just peeking around the tree and when an opportunity comes you just slightly swing to the side and take your shot yeah. so my my first year in a saddle was this last year and the reason I got the saddle was because of these stories I didn't listen to any of them apparently because every time I set up my platform and where I was standing I would set it up the same way I would, in my mind, I was so stuck on tree stand hunting. And so I would put the platform where I would put a tree stand. And I would get all set up and I'd be sitting there, I'd be like, oh my God. That's the wrong hand. It's the wrong, the side, wrong of the tree. side of the tree. <laughs> because I'm so stuck on that. And, and it, and it had, that, the first buck that came out, it was my target buck. He, early bow season. Came right out, looked right up at me. Now, I did. He did present me with a really good shot opportunity. What happened, Scott? I hit a tree branch with my arrow. (laughs) (laughs) I have video of the whole thing, and there's clear video of the arrow hitting the tree branch and going straight down. Well, that's the beauty of uh, saddle hunting, really, because I went into a spot, and I killed my first deer out of the saddle this year. And uh, I did the same thing, although I was just stupid, and I didn't realize that the deer were coming back from the other way. They told me, okay, go in the spot, hunt here. I got to the area, found all the sign, and I'm sitting there facing the entirely wrong way. I turn around, and there's a buck standing there, and I shot him at about, on the, on the clock, at about 
6.30. Okay. Um, yeah, right, right there behind me. So if I had been, you know, on the other side of the tree, I probably missed a lot of deer going by me because <laughs> I was facing the entirely wrong way. But that was just out of my own stupidity. But you can make that shot. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's funny, though. It's funny the amount of times I, I set up in my tree or a tree and in the beginning of the early bow season. I literally would think about the story he told me and think, you're an idiot. You're set up completely wrong. Why are you doing this? You keep doing this over and over again. Like why, why are you even in a saddle yeah, at and that throughout, point? Throughout the season, I, I figured it out, and I started to set up the right way. You're a slow learner, in yeah, other words. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was it was a learning curve for me. Well, and, and uh, Scott, I'll tell you this. After a while... I can't look at a tree and figure out how to put a regular tra- tree stand in it. Like <laughs> I can't I'm, wait till I get to that point. <laughs> I'm always like, yeah, it's it's like, but if I had to put a regular tree stand in a tree, it'd be all backwards. Which I know way am would. I supposed to put this tree stand? In? Yeah. So Ernie, I've got a question for you. So in 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 John, feel free to chime in. But so as like the evolution of a saddle hunter and John for my entire lifetime, because I was born in '81. Um, <laughs> But Wait a minute. You were born in the 80s? Yeah. I was born in 85. Okay. So, Are you guys old? So, I was born in 51. <laughs> so, what were you born in? in 2005? In 2007. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, let the man talk. <laughs> in, in, in hunting with other people in, in that sort of setup, like... So I was invited to hunt a piece of a private. I was like, I help out, I help you out, and we can do this. And he's trying to help. He's trying to do this food plot stuff and all this stuff. And he knows where the deer are and where they're coming. And I'm like, why don't we just kill the deer and not dick around with all this food plot stuff? And he's like, well, there's no trees. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna hunt that little tree right there with. with and it, like, is there a big explanation process to like the way that you set up? Because I right now same thing is like I just look at a tree. I'm like, oh, there's a big cedar with that's back cover, and there's a little tree in front of it. Like, I'll just get right there. I don't have to get up super high, you know. And I, do you have, find yourself having to explain things to people, or is everybody that's in your lives saddle hunters, you know, when when you're while you're hunting? No, I, I mean, I'll be quite honest with you. Most of my friends are retarded, and they look at me. <laughs> they look at me oh, in my saddle, geez. and they will not try it. Most of the people that I hunt with in Minnesota and Wisconsin are your traditional set up a ladder stand and I'm going to hunt it morning and night for seven days straight and, you know, whether there's corn there or not corn or whatever, but it's just, I don't have, um, I have a very, very small saddle hunting community in Minnesota. Um, really? And so, yeah, I mean, they still, I mean, even after everything even years and years ago when i was doing stupid stuff out of like my work saddle when i was a tree trimmer and all these things up till now where they can kind of see like it really makes sense they still will not try it it's i'm not a good salesman so but uh, as far as like the setups do you are your setups like completely different like i don't think so um i think you know you have to learn to look from the back side of the tree instead of the front but I'm still looking for back cover, like you said, a cedar tree behind me, some brush. Um, I like to have a tree that, um, in an ideal situation, my favorite, by far all favorite tree is a big gnarly oak tree. Because 
I can crawl around the big branches on the way up. Yeah. And set up, and I can set my stuff up there, and you disappear. You're yeah. leaning away from the tree. You're another branch. And you can always, well, not always, but the theory is, even with all those big branches underneath you that are moving right and left and whatever, you have opportunities between them. And I just really like the shape of a big oak tree. And the other beautiful thing about that tree is people don't generally hunt that tree. Yeah. So the animals aren't naturally looking at that tree for you to be in it. Um, I don't. I don't think there's a secret to it. I mean... There's so much, like, there's so much instructional about picking a tree to hunt out of. You want back cover. You want this. The only difference is I have a lot more trees available to me than I had before. For, well, I would say, John, with your, like, you're teaching these seminars, and you have yeah. been for, for a long time, yeah. so you have to field a lot of questions on. I field a lot of questions, so and I'll you. tell you what, the first when I'm doing these gotcha. workshops, the first time I get in a tree and I tell everybody, okay, I, I hunt a lot of destination areas. So I hunt at apple trees, oak trees, white oaks, red oaks, primary scrape areas, you know, someplace where there's a natural food source with good security cover around it. So as soon as I get to the first tree, which is an apple tree out in the woods, I tell everybody, okay, stand under the these two apple trees as if you're you know you're deer you're going to be feeding there and then i'm going to get in this tree and i climb the tree and i hook up the saddle which takes me about probably 30 seconds <clears throat> i swing around the back side of the tree and as soon as i swing around to the back side of the tree a light bulb goes off in every one of their heads they get it immediately and i say this is where i'm hunting you can't see me and anytime i set up in any tree, I always set up on the back side of the tree where I know, where I assume my shot's going to be. And keep in mind, with a saddle, you don't have to necessarily set up on the back side of the tree where you assume your shot's going to be because you have the mobility to swing around and move around the tree at will. You know, you put steps around the tree. If you're using a platform, you put a couple steps around the back side or else you just have a ring of steps. If a deer comes and it's a non-target, let's say a couple dozen fawns are coming through and you don't you don't want them to pick you, uh, you just move around to the back side of the tree as the deer go by. Uh, so, you know, you always assume you're going to have your shots in a spe specific spot. So you try to set up in the tree where the tree is going to be a buffer for you. But you can always move around the tree. There's just so many advantages. Nobody's going to steal your stand. You know, it's with you all the time. Nobody's going to hunt your stand when you're not there because it's with you. It's your, it's a safety harness, so it doubles as your own climbing safety harness for putting in steps or sticks or whatever you're going to use. You know, with a tree stand, when you're prepping trees, you have to have a safety harness with you also. So you're having to have an extra safety harness to prep your tree with. Um, it's it's just safer than anything. Nobody's ever fell out of a out of a saddle, as far as I know, and I've been following saddles for a long, long time. Tens of thousands of people have fell out of tree stands, so it's extremely safe. Again, it's a you only have to own one for every tree you hunt. Every season, I probably go into the season with 40 trees prepped. I may only hunt eight to 12 of them, you know, depending on the sign that particular year. Um, but all those trees, I can walk to any one of those trees and hunt at any moment. There's places where I will have four trees prepped within a 50-yard area. 
because every year when things change, you know, if it's in an area where there's multiple oaks, you know, maybe this year this red oak has acorns and then the next year this white oak over here has acorns. So I'll have multiple locations in very small zones because things change. Yeah, Crop right, rotations right. change where scrape areas are. Uh, apple trees are biennials, so there's lots of times you set up at an apple tree if it's next to a stand a cornfield, let's say. The years when the corn is standing and the apple tree has apples, that's a great place to hunt because you got security cover where a deer can bed in the standing corn, come out and eat some apples a couple feet away from the corn. So you got security cover, you know, for the bucks feel comfortable. So I prep a lot of locations and I can get in any one of them at any moment. And I also, it's pretty simple to carry around some sort of a freelance pack for getting up into a tree. And it's just really simple because you can either wear the saddle in with you if you're freelancing, or you can, if they're small enough and they weigh so little, you can put them in your backpack when you're walking in. And it's just super simple to do anything out of the saddle. Well, I'll tell you, the biggest deer I saw this year couldn't pick me out. Mm -hmm. It was a giant buck in Minnesota and, and he looked up and he, he kind of knew something was up, but couldn't quite figure it out. Stamped his foot a couple of times and then decided it was okay because I was on the backside of the tree, awesome. walked past me at 15 yards. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, yep. I didn't have a tag anymore, so I had to <laughs> let him walk. Well, you're not getting that with a tree sand, or rather ladder sand. Yeah. He was reading oh, the tethered on your backpack. A hangout. Yeah, he was a yeah. fan. He was like, yeah, oh, shit. He's a fanboy. He's like, oh, yeah, he's tagged out already. I'm good. <laughs> he follows on social. So... My I had a question, something that I... What the hell was he doing there without a tag? <laughs> no shit, what are you out there doing? without a tag? He's killing does. Um, oh. Hi. Well, I'm 5'6". No, I, yeah, yeah. He's about a buck 60 and he's No, so, so my, my thought process, and it goes back to the whole me setting up on the wrong side of the tree because I'm so used to setting up ladder stands, mm -hmm. is I'm so used to setting up ladder stands and they're all pretty much the same height. With yeah. a tree, with a with a saddle, do you guys, depending on where you're at in the cover and what's behind you and stuff, do you guys change where you're at height-wise, or are you I all do. typically the same? I change all the time. When I'm when I'm scouting during postseason, that's when I usually prep most of my trees. I prep the tree how high I'm going to be according to when I'm going to hunt the tree. Okay. If it's a tree that's going to be a rut phase location, I know all the foliage is going to yeah, be down. Right, right. Um, I have to set up a little bit higher because I know I want to be up out of their peripheral vision so I don't get picked. Yep. If I'm going to hunt in a spot and I'm going to be in a pine tree where I've got a lot of good background cover or it's an early season spot where the tree I'm in is going to have leaves on it and foliage for background cover, you know, I may set up 20 feet, but typically I'm 25 to 30 feet. Okay. But I've shot yep. deer out of a saddle as low as 12 feet off the ground in a cedar tree. Okay. Yeah. I have some spots where, I, where I've thought about sitting lower in the tree and and i and it's it's a weird mental thing i can't get over it like i need to be higher up in the tree because i'm used to it being higher up in the tree I, got I, a lot of mental I do i do have a lot of mental blocks <laughs> i will say one thing real brief stop calling me out on my bullshit <laughs> piggyback off of that <laughs> piggyback <laughs> one thing real briefly when you get comfortable using a saddle after you've used it a few times you definitely tend to not or be very comfortable hunting higher 
okay. because you can't fall out of it. Yeah. Oh, with yeah, with sure. a tree stand, you are sitting with your back against the tree facing the abyss in front of you. Yeah. And when you start getting up above 20 feet, it feels a little scary. Once you get used to a saddle, you're tethered to the tree with a 6,000-pound rope. Yeah, you're, not you're very comfortable going up 25 or even 30 feet if you have to, because yeah, you right. know you're not going to fall. I've got a hang-on that is sitting above a food plot on my land, and I'm telling you right now, this thing has to be 30 feet in the air. Yeah, but it's the only—it's <laughs> damn near the only tree in the area. I made ne- well, it's a double sit, so that's actually my camera guy's seat, <laughs> and then mine is just below that. What and about I the- at least have a branch right right underneath it, so I could. If I'm like, man, you know what? This is kind of sketchy, and I'm a fireman, so I, you know, we climb ladders and all that kind of shit. But th- that's sketchy. Yep. What about the we we me and him? He filmed me one night. We we set up a ladder stand in a tree. I won't let anybody else that leases my property with me sit in that tree. I'm like, it's not safe. That's you're stupid. not allowed to go to that tree. It's terrible. It me is and so him set stupid. it up like in the dark, and it's terrible. I've sat in that tree with my saddle last year. I went around the other side of the tree. Is all the deer coming to the south of it? Right, right, right. And I could sit on the north side of that tree, and it was it was perfect. Nothing ever. And <laughs> no shooters for true. Well, but, I, uh, was, I was gonna say I was no, talking to you guys earlier. Uh, right next door to your booth is a is an outfitter, and the guy's like, I just I don't right, see well, a yeah. use for a saddle because we have hundreds of tree stands all over. Yep, yep. And as it turns out, the guy says, Well, I'm left-handed. Yeah, and, uh, it's Alfonso, yeah. And I go, well, then the saddle's perfect for you. Yeah, go, I go, out of your hundreds of tree stands, how many of them are set up for right-handed shooters? All of them. And he's like, all but like 10. I go, yeah. So imagine if you could sit in that right-handed stand with a saddle. You're facing the tree. All of a sudden, those right-handed stands are perfect for you as a left-handed shooter. Yeah. Because you're facing the wrong direction. Yeah. And being a left-handed shooter, that's a big deal for me. Because when I go somewhere, yeah. yep. I'm screwed. Yeah. None of those stands are set yep. up right for me. Uh, yeah. No, that, I, I was there when you were talking about that. That's, that's have, a great point. At my, my lease, we, I lease land. We lease just about 500 acres in Jackson County. Everybody there is a right-handed shooter. And we kind of... We go in. We don't want too many stands on the on the property. You know, you set up your ground blind, do whatever you want with a climber. But we only we try to limit the amount of stands. But everybody there's a right-handed shooter. I'm the only lefty on the property, and it's the same You're thing. Weird. I'm like, I'm gonna That's go. Why. I'm gonna go hit this this food plot stand, which it doesn't bother me because I stand when I hunt anyway, and so I'm I'm always standing looking at the tree even when I set my stands. And because for you know just for the cover, and I just I get too antsy and I just want to stand it. And so it doesn't bother me, but for somebody else in that position that's actually trying to sit there and shoot sitting, I'm like, man, that, this is kind of brutal. With it. Like you said, I, li- I was listening to that, too, because you are talking to Alfonso about yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And that, that, that's a good reason to get well, one. Well, and for them, they have all those stands set already because it's an outfitter. Right, right. They have to – people are paying big money to just go sit somewhere and shoot here. So, you know, but I, I kind of talk the same thing. And, and he hunts Michigan – he had a lease in the thumb for years, and uh, now now they lost their lease. But it's it's to me it's I don't know. This whole podcast has become a a, a mixture between saddle hunting and uh, the hunting community. Coming bringing together, everybody bringing close together. together in love. 
and uh, about our moms loving us. Right. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that's the highlight of my weekend. I cannot I'm wait to go back and so tell so the staff. so happy that it came together <laughs> right here. <laughs> that, that story yeah. right there. I, I really, I, FaceTime. I honestly think that we could talk about this for like five more hours. We're probably are tired and hungry. because about an hour and a half. Eating. Yeah, and the kitchen's oh, closed. an hour and a half so. already. So we're yeah. an hour and a half in. Um, if you guys are all right with Yeah, we're going to close this out if you guys are cool with it. Yeah, sorry all for right. hijacking your podcast. No, no, no. no, no. We, we're glad things. you guys did. We, awesome. we really, I'm like, I, I think the theme of the podcast, to me, we started this podcast without any, literally, like, we're in our booth today, and I'm like, what are we going to talk about tonight? And he's like, that's on you, dude. I'm engineering, and I'm like, fuck We're you. talking about love. I said, all right, well, <laughs> we, got, we got a mixture of people that we're talking about, and Thank I, I, you wa- very much. I wanted that to happen. Thank you. Um, it, it, to me, saddle hunting, we wanted the podcast to be about that with Tethered being on, on the show, and then um, tying in how, how the hunting community comes together, and no matter what. You know, set aside your dramas. Set aside. I'm I'm with this company or I'm with that company. We're all hunters. At the end of the day, we all. At love the end it. of the day, we can all shower at your mom's. He, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> you can all shower at my mom's. <laughs> you have to deal with their two crazy dogs and my screaming kid. But yeah, we have to buy a towel. Yeah, no, no, you, they have towels there. It's like a hotel. Oh, yeah. It's so yeah, no, it's just it, it, it's it's to me. The, the coolest thing about hunting that my, my dad brought me up hunting and the coolest thing that i gotten out of that is the community and now doing times of outdoors I've met some people and uh, I think aside from saddle hunting which we've talked about a lot which which I hope people listen to this podcast and get into saddle hunting because I really really love it um, maybe people take out of it set aside your differences if you have a difference with somebody in the industry or in hunting community and, and just realize that we're all on the same team, regardless of what your style is. If you're a, a clown that wears sick gear everywhere you go, or, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love or, you said or you that. wear uh, uh, First Light, or, or you're Mark Kenyon, and, you know, Meat Eater, whatever, you have a crush on Steve Rinella. We're all the same. We're all hunt. We love it. We love the outdoors. And uh, it's a dying industry. There's a lot less people doing it every year. And we all collectively have to do something to save that, I think. And it, inspiring new people to get into it, however they want to get into it, is important. So, you know, hopefully that's what this podcast will, you know, touch on yes. a little bit. I mean, literally, this is we just we just sat down, spur of the moment, with a group of guys that essentially, other than Ernie and John, that we just met. Yeah. In these last two yeah. days, and we just had a ball. We drank some good beers and. Had Jameson, a good time good talking coffee. around. Yeah. yeah, good coffee. So, yeah. <laughs> At the end John of the day, get coffee. out there, get out there, kill Just something, go out there and, and yeah. buy a tag, and yeah. that's it. Hunt. Get I also hunt. think it's awesome at these shows that you see all these little kids, parents coming around with little kids are getting into hunting, and that I've oh, seen dude. a couple little kids in the saddle today, and I had little kids come in my booth. I've given them a couple DVDs. And, I, that's I, just cool to me. Me and John have a one-year-old. We both have one-year-olds at home, and, and I cannot wait. I have stepkids that are of age to hunt, and they've all shot deer now. So so getting the kids involved, that's like, it's better than anything. Just don't let them shoot bigger ones than you, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> and I really think maybe this should be highlighted. At Time's Up, you guys do a fantastic job of taking kids hunting. Thank Not you. your kids. You take 
every kid yeah. hunting. Thank you. You, want, yeah. you guys have done a fantastic job over the last year. I mean, I met you guys last year, and your whole deal was, hey, you're a kid. You want to go turkey hunting? You want to yeah. go turkey hunting? Yeah, and we'll I don't know how hunt. many kids For you kids. got into that last year. I mean, how many, how many different turkey hunts did you guys do last year? Uh, we killed on camera 27, off camera oh. 35. Yeah, yeah, I mean... It's, it's nuts. And then I would say out of the 27 that were on camera, I would have to put I would put at least 18 of those were brand new hunters. Yeah. yeah. And then kids. deer deer as well. Well, it's... kids and, you know, even adults with that too. We got yeah. some, you know, wow. teenage from, from a kid all the way up to uh, I I took my neighbor out hunting, never shot a turkey before. A couple father-son. Yep. Hunt. And my neighbor is my neighbor's 35 yeah, years cool. old. So, I mean. That's weird. Uh, aside from... I was I was told when I when I was talking to somebody about sponsorship, I, I was I was telling him why we do it, and he said you're you're full of shit. You want to make money. At the end of the day, everybody needs to pay for their bills. Mm-hmm. I, I really truly believe uh, we're firemen. We have a full time job, and ne- none of us want to quit that job. We love being firemen. This is our our yes. our, our passion. We love hunting. We want to get people involved. We want to get more people to do what we do because it's the future of hunting uh, and fishing i mean we're big into fishing too so but yeah it's getting these kids involved i i had i have four kids i have a whole basketball team at home so but i got i got all three three of the older ones they all got a deer this year and it was to me i i, I shot a doe i didn't care that i just shoot them up. the kids shot a deer that was the biggest thing and and just i think all of us podcast wise and you know tv show or whatever you got going on you're inspiring people to do that get out there in the outdoors hunting fishing whatever it is that you're doing and just keep doing it i will say the books i wrote i wrote to make people better hunters yeah and yeah i didn't definitely did not write you don't make a lot of money with books sure i I mean unless you're Selling your president that's writing a book that's selling you millions of right. copies. So, or you I hate the it. president and you're writing. Or you hate books. the president, <laughs> which I love the president right now. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, I've I've always had the goal of making people better hunters, and I've had so much phenomenal feedback from that, from gratification people that are become better hunters and yeah. killing better deer because it actually. It changes your life. I've had letters and testimonials come back where people have said, man, I get along better with my wife during deer deer season now because I'm killing deer. Yeah. I don't have to go out there. I'm hunting smarter. I don't have to go out there as often. And the people in the community, funny. when I go in the sporting goods stores, they treat me differently. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like a marriage pissed off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I And I, I just man, love it. I just love now. making people better and more successful at what they're doing because then they got they've got more of a passion to do it more you know they're not going to get out of the sport we all play a little role yeah. whatever our role is we all play a little role whatever in, we can do yeah. and keeping something we all love that we were brought up doing our our, our fathers or whoever got us into it I, my father personally but and we all play a little role and we, we're all we all hold a little bit of responsibility to keep it going my I mom's an outdoor enthusiast. Your mom Learning loves you. To that. <laughs> yeah. That's all that matters, man. So, Your mom loves you. <laughs> so let's 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 get some food. Let's wrap this up. I, I, we're going uh, to bring that. No, your closing is stupid. We're going to bring it full circle, and we're going to say how the hunting industry all comes together in this point, podcast to podcast. We're going to let Chronicles close this out. How about that? Well, before they close it out, I just want to say this is my 
by far my favorite podcast that I've recorded. <laughs> but most of them have been recorded with him and Nico, and they're shitheads, so. <laughs> Chronicles. Chronicles. Chronicles, give us a yeah. closer. Well, I just want to th- say thanks for having us on here. You know, sitting down with uh, Ernie and, and Johnny Everhart, Chad. So, Chad, we got, uh, it's 1048 right now. <laughs> we, we have Damn. Uh, five hours. Chad loves a 3 a.m. hot dog <laughs> in the rain. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you about that one. That's one of his favorite pastimes. So, uh, you got to tell the we, story. We gotta, no, no. That's, <laughs> no, it's that's way better to leave that obscure. Leave it, leave it obscure. <laughs> to be continued. But. You know, we're going to have to do this. We'll have you guys on our podcast. We'll record something tomorrow. And I I really appreciate you just having us on here. And John, Ernie, it's always a pleasure sitting down and talking bullshit and drinking some beers. So So raise your hand. Whose name's John at this table? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's easier. It's just easier for all the Johns. I'm the only Scott. So. <laughs> awesome. He's the only Ernie. Well, Appreciate it. Well, I yeah. did meet an Ernie. Tune in. Today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for coming out, guys. All right, thanks, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Our pleasure. See you.